Today we set sail into a chapter that might sound like just another history lesson, but beneath the waves of Ezekiel 27 lies a profound understanding of why the Middle East stands as the crossroads of humanity. So as we explore once again the fallen city of Tyre and the bustling trade routes that crisscross ancient lands, we will unravel the layers of significance that make this region more than just geography. So why is the Middle East such a hotbed of controversy? Why did the peoples of this area get into a scrap over every acre of property over there? And why did God select this region as the setting for essentially all of biblical history? You will find out today on the Cross References Podcast. Welcome to the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Bible reader, my goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. My name is Luke Taylor, and I am not a world traveler. I've gone to Hawaii. I don't think I've ever actually visited a foreign country, unless you count a couple of trips to Utah. <laughs> I'm also not a time traveler. I was born in the late 1900s. I am, I am still alive today in the 2000s. I have not lived in any other periods of time. Again, unless you count those trips to Utah. But the Bible, it is from another time and from another place. The Bible was written in a foreign country and thousands of years ago. And if we're going to understand it, we have to understand that location and that time period. That's going to help us to understand what it is actually communicating to you and I today. And on this episode, I would like to help us understand the place a little bit better. Not just the land of Israel that the Bible was written in, but the entire Middle East territory. Because in case you haven't noticed, there seems to be a lot of disputes in that territory. And it's always been that way. And that's not going to stop anytime soon. Now, why? Well, you're going to learn about that today. We are going to go in a little bit different direction with this episode. I'm going to cover chapter 27 of Ezekiel. And it is his second chapter on prophecies against the nation of Tyre. And the thing is, I kind of covered Tyre already last week. We went through the whole history. We talked about why that nation fell, how they had a city on an island, and they thought they were invincible. And then Alexander the Great came through. Eventually, he wiped them out. And so that was what we talked about in chapter 26 of Ezekiel. Chapter 27, the whole chapter is a lament over this fallen city. Tyre was basically the world trade center of the ancient Middle East. When Tyre fell, lots of other nations suffered economically. Supply chains were totally disrupted. It might very well be like if America were to fall today. And again, that was all stuff that we covered last week. I don't intend to repeat all that information today. What I would rather do is talk about another issue on this week's study, and then we're going to tie that into Ezekiel chapter 27. So I'm also going to kind of flip the script. I usually study the verses, and then we dive into the application. Today, I'm going to start with the application, okay? I'm going to start with the knowledge, the information that is meant to benefit your life today in 2023. We're going to start with that, and then we'll run through this chapter's verses more in the second half of today's lesson. So let's get into it. There was a man who lived a long, long, long time ago. His name was Abraham. 
And God came and talked to Abraham. This was in Genesis. It started in 12, but I'm looking at Genesis 15 right now. And God said that he was giving a portion of real estate in the Middle East to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants. It says in Genesis 15, 18, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your offspring, I give this land. And from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And so if you were to plot all of this out on a map, it would be a region that was about 10 times as much as what Israel has ever actually held on to as you look through history. God always had more for the Israelites than they ever actually took. And it's because they were too fearful, too faithless to step into all that God had for them. But before we get too hard on them, the same is probably true for us. There's probably much more that God would have liked to do with each one of our lives than what we've ever actually gone out and taken hold of. Now, if Israel had gotten a hold of all of its land, what would that be today? Well, Bible prophecy expert and pastor David Jeremiah, he said this, if Israelis were currently occupying all the land that God gave to them, they would control all the holdings of present-day Israel, Lebanon, and the West Bank of Jordan, plus a substantial portion of Syria, Iraq, and Saudi Arabia. Now, by the way, this is an Ezekiel lesson. And so according to the last chapter of Ezekiel, chapter 48, it lists all the portions of land that Israel is going to someday occupy in the millennial kingdom. And he goes into painstaking detail and all that. It's literally the last chapter of this book. And so we are going to get there on this program eventually and talk about that. Someday they're going to have it all. Eventually, Abraham's descendants, they will occupy what they were always meant to. And so God's promise is going to be fulfilled. But it's going to be a while, okay? It's it's going to be a while. It's at least seven years away, if you know what I mean. So if Israel had taken all that it was supposed to, they would basically own all of this territory that we call the Middle East. And despite what you might think, it wasn't just all a bunch of useless desert, okay? There are many reasons that this was considered some prime real estate. For one thing, this includes the Fertile Crescent. It's a, re- a region of Mesopotamia that's known as the Cradle of Civilization. And I just find that such an interesting name. You know, that's the secular name for it. But according to the Bible, this is the region where the Garden of Eden was placed. This is where Noah and his ark landed. And this is where the Tower of Babel dispersed the peoples into all the nations. And thousands of years later, I just love that social anthropologists, they, they come, or I'm saying secular, sorry, secular anthropologists, they come along and they label this territory the cradle of civilization. I find that just so interesting. What do you put in a cradle, guys? You put a baby in a cradle. And truly, this is where mankind was born. And not only that, this was the birthplace of the Bible. This is where God placed his people and his land and gave us all his book. And so God was not offering Abraham something that was second rate. I know some of us think of the desert. We think of, you know, we think of just a bunch of wilderness when we think of the Middle East. Uh, We think, oh, I'm glad I live where I live and that I don't live there. Let me tell you guys, you're going to find out today. This was not something second rate that God was offering to Abraham. Okay, listen to this breakdown on that territory by National Geographic. Named for its rich soils, the Fertile Crescent, often called the Cradle of Civilization, is found in the Middle East. Because of this region's relatively abundant access to water, the earliest civilizations were established in the Fertile Crescent. 
including the Sumerians. Its area covers what are now southern Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Palestine, Israel, Egypt, and parts of Turkey and Iran. Two rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates, regularly flooded the region, and the Nile River also runs through part of it. Irrigation and agriculture developed here because of the fertile soil found near these rivers. And so again, that was National Geographic right there, describing this territory that's basically what God gave to Abraham, what Abraham should, what his descendants should have taken. This was a special location because of its natural resources. But something else to keep in mind is that the Middle East, and especially the nation of Israel, this territory is a land bridge that connects three different continents, Europe, Asia, and Africa. Israel itself is a narrow strip of land right in the midst of all of it, right between them. It's got the Mediterranean Sea to its west and a bunch of desert to its east, and it's the territory everyone's got to go through as they travel between these continents, these regions, these major regions of countries, okay? So every time there's a conflict, even if Israel just has nothing to do with it, it's always just caught right in the middle of things, right in the crossfire, because other nations are constantly traveling through that territory, trying to get to where they're going. So you could call it a blessing, call it a curse. <laughs> you know, it can be both. It can be bad. It can be good. The territory of the Middle East, it's a perfect territory for trade and commerce. It's a hub between many peoples. And there's lots of money passing through this region. Okay, trade, goods and services. And this goes to show why everybody wants it. Everybody wants a piece of this. Everybody always has. Everybody always will. We don't even have to go to the spiritual side of things today. Okay, we could we could talk about angels and demons, territorial spirits, all that kind of stuff. I get into I get into that sometimes. I get into it on my other podcast, Weird Stuff in the Bible. We don't have to really get into it today. We don't have to get super spiritual. We don't have to get theoretical. We can see this just by looking at the map. If you control the Middle East, you control the transfer of wealth between all three continents right there. Ancient civilizations, they don't have what we have today with technology, satellites, looking down from above. They don't, they don't have the, the bird's eye view that we do, but they figured this out, okay? They had a map of the earth back then. It looked something kind of like a Venn diagram, you know, how uh, like with three circles, okay? You've seen Venn diagrams. And all three of the circles on this diagram, their ancient maps, they converge on the Middle East. They converge on Israel. The three big circles were Europe, Asia, and Africa. Okay, if you were to look at this ancient map, you can go look this up if you want. That these are the modern names that we have. You know, back then, back then they might have thought of it more of like Shem, Ham, and Japheth. You know, the three sons of Noah, how they spread out. And it all meets right there in the middle, what we call today the Middle East. It's actually it's not so much a Venn diagram. It looks more like a fidget spinner. <laughs> do you remember fidget spinners? Okay, if you do, I'll pray for you. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. We we endured that time. We had some kids back then, right at that middle. Right, right at that fidget spinner age, okay? And so, so I remember the era of fidget spinners, okay? Imagine a fidget spinner. They must have had fidget spinners back in Bible times too. That is how they drew their map back then. They knew that there were three mainland areas, okay? And Israel and the Middle East were right where it all centered. They were right in the middle. The middle of the Middle East is Israel, and the city of Jerusalem is right in the center of fidget spinner earth. So I hope I've helped you understand today why this is such a fought over piece of real estate. Okay, again, I didn't even get into the spiritual side of things. You could throw the whole faith angle on all this too, but I'm just not getting into that today. I think you get it.
So one of the regions that I mentioned earlier as being part of this Middle East was the territory of Lebanon. That's the modern nation for it. In the days of Ezekiel, there was a city in the Lebanon region called Tyre. I'm not going to go through the whole history of the fall of Tyre. Once again, that was all last week. But ever since Tyre fell, there is a lengthy description of Tyre and why it was so sad that Tyre was going to fall. And that is what Ezekiel chapter 27 is all about. So I'm going to get started on reading it. And as we do, I think you're going to understand more and more why it's not just Tyre, but the entire Middle East, that it is the centerpiece of human civilization over on that side of the planet. And so as we read this next passage, don't try to dwell right here on placing all these locations on a map, okay, as I go through them. There's scholars, study Bibles, all that, that have done that already, if you want to go look it up. I'm not trying to get into all that. (laughs) How do you explain a map on a podcast anyway? You know, I'm not going to get into all that today. The main takeaway is that there's a lot of them. That's what I want you to pull away from this. There's a lot of them. And in this chapter, there are 23 different places that are mentioned as being negatively affected by the fall of Tyre, okay? And God is creating a metaphor in this chapter that Tyre is like this great big sinking ship. And I think he picks a ship because Tyre was heavily into maritime activity. It was that island city. And so in God's metaphor or his analogy right here, it's the ship of Tyre that is sinking. So verse one, the word of the Lord came to me. Now you, son of man, raise a lamentation over Tyre. And say to Tyre, who dwells at the entrances to the sea, merchant of the peoples to many coastlands, thus says the Lord God, O Tyre, you have said, I am perfect in beauty. Your borders are in the heart of the seas. Your builders made perfect your beauty. They made all your planks of fir trees from Sinir. They took a cedar from Lebanon to make a mast for you. Of of oaks of Bashan, they made your oars. They made your deck of pines from the coast of Cyprus, inlaid with ivory. Of fine embroidered linen from Egypt was your sail, serving as your banner, blue and purple from the coast of Elisha was your awning. The inhabitants of Sidon and Arvad were your rowers. Your skilled men, O Tyre, were in you. They were your pilots. The elders of Gebal and her skilled men were in you, caulking your seams. All the ships of the sea with their mariners were in you to barter for your wares. Persia and Lud and Put were in your army as your men of war. They hung the shield and helmet in you. They gave you splendor. Men of Arvad and Helic were on your walls all around. And men of Gamad were in your towers. They hung their shields on your walls all around. They made perfect your beauty. And that was the first 11 verses right there. When it comes to a lament, it's kind of like that Hebrew poetry style. And and when it comes to that, I'm not usually so interested in picking it apart line by line. I kind of just like to get the flavor of it. Okay, the mood. It's trying to set a mood right here the vibe that it's giving off. And so I'm not just going to go through and explain, you know, the the spiritual significance of Bashan and where it is and what it's called today. I could do that, but I don't want to do that today. I'd have to do that for 23 different places. I don't want to miss the forest for the trees right here. Okay. The big picture. What's the big picture that this is painting? The big picture is that all these places are sad because Tyre fell. Tyre had a lot of irons in the fire, okay? And so for, I wasn't trying to rhyme right there. It <laughs> just came out that way. For Tyre, you know, last week, I, I, didn't, I didn't make this pun, but I tell you what, the last couple episodes, they've been really a struggle to get out, okay? It's just like, I've just been really busy here this time of year, and I haven't been feeling super great. Like right, today I'm recording, my neck is 
I, I slept on the wrong side. When you get to the ancient age of 33, like I am, if you sleep the wrong position, <laughs> you're like almost incapacitated the next day. So anyway, I didn't make the pun last time. Like I recorded an episode about tire and I was super tired. Like I just had, I had like this one window of time to record that episode for that week. And I barely got it out. I'm recording this one on Saturday. It's going to come out on Monday. I just tell you what, I've just been kind of swamped lately. So um, I, I don't know why I'm breaking in to tell you guys all this. <laughs> Every time I read the word tire, it just reminds me of how tired I am. So I hope the the quality of these episodes is not horrible. But I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, I'm doing whatever I can to get them out right now and just kind of get some episodes out for the end of the year. Take a few weeks off, try to be refreshed when we come back in January, because there, there's some really good stuff from Ezekiel coming up in January. OK, now let me get back to where I was. Uh, OK, Tyre, Tyre had a lot of irons in the fire. That's where I was. OK, so for Tyre to be destroyed because of its sins, this was going to affect a lot more than just Tyre. Tyre did lumber business. It talked about where it purchased fabric, where it hired workers from, where it hired soldiers and mercenaries from. They were to keep the peace and act as enforcement. That wasn't just good for Tyre. It was good for all those places, too, because this is how the economy flowed. This is, you know, this is how money was was flowing economically. And so for Tyre to go down like this is disrupting a lot of other places, too. OK, so verses 12 through 25. Yes, I am reading a big chunk right here. OK, again, I'm not trying to pick all this apart line by line this time. What we're doing right now is getting the flavor of the passage and we're trying to look at the big picture. Okay, so verse 12, Tarshish did business with you because of your great wealth of every kind. Silver, iron, tin, and lead they exchanged for your wares. Javan, Tubal, and Meshik traded with you. They exchanged human beings and vessels of bronze for your merchandise. From Beth to Garma, they exchanged horses, war horses, and mules for your wares. The men of Didian traded with you. Many coastlands were your own special markets. They brought you, they, they brought, they brought you in payment ivory tusks and ebony. Syria did business with you because of your abundant goods. They exchanged for your wells emeralds, purple, embroidered work, fine linen, coral, and ruby. Judah and the land of Israel traded with you. They exchanged for your merchandise, wheat of mineth, meal, honey, oil, and balm. Damascus did business with you for your abundant goods because of your great wealth of every kind. Wine of Helban and wool of Sahar and casks of wine from Uzal. They exchanged for your wares, wrought iron, cassia, and Calamus were bartered for your merchandise. Dedan traded with you in saddlecloths for riding. Arabia and all these princes of Kibar, Kedar, excuse me. I'm not saying any of these places probably correctly. <laughs> Arabia and all the princes of Kedar were your favored dealers in lambs, rams, and goats. In these they did, they did business with you. The traders of Sheba and Ramah traded with you. They exchanged for your wares the best of all kinds of spices and all precious stones and gold. Haran. Canna, Eden, traders of Sheba, Asher, and Chilmad traded with you. In your market, these traded with you in choice garments, in clothes of blue and embroidered work, and in carpets of colored material, bound with cords and made secure. The ships of Tarshish traveled for you with your merchandise. So you were filled and heavily laden in the heart of the seas. Okay, so there's a regional order to all this. It's not just random places being mentioned. Ezekiel starts by listing all the merchants and the goods and the tr and everything that traveled here from the Northwest. Then he starts talking about merchants in the Levant and the merchants to the Southeast in Arabia. And then he concludes by moving to the Northeast. 
And so one of the ways that this is beneficial for us to see all these all these countries being grouped together like this, this is going to help us whenever we get later in Ezekiel to chapters 38 and 39, and we start talking about these places like Beth Tagarma and Meshach. Those places come up in the Gog and Magog section, and it's kind of hotly debated where those where those uh, cities or nations are located uh, if we were to look at them on a map today. But if we cross-reference them with the areas, the regions that they're described in back here in Ezekiel 27, that's going to help us narrow it down of where these places were located and which countries are going to attack Israel in the future uh, based on where they're described right here in uh so 38 and 39, that's about future prophecy. It's about Gog and Magog. If we understand where those countries are located here in Ezekiel 27, it's going to tell us where they're located today as we study chapters 38 and 39. Okay, so that's what I'm that's what I'm getting at. There is a benefit. You know, we kind of get through a section like what I just read. We're like, okay, what does that even mean to me today? How is that going to, uh, you know, what does this mean to my life in 2023? Well, it does help us with interpreting some prophecy. So there, there is at least that. And again, the kind of the big thing I was talking about today is we just see why the Middle East is so important. So much of the world economy flows through this region and, and it does matter. So I hope you're getting that. As, and we're going to read the last segment of verses here for today and then we're going to wind things down. And I really do like this last section. It gets away from focusing on all the countries. And right here, it goes back to this metaphor of the sinking ship. So verse 26. Your rowers have brought you out into the high seas. The east wind has wrecked you in the heart of the seas. Your riches, your wares, your merchandise, your mariners, and your pilots, your caulkers, your dealers in merchandise, and all your men of war who are in you, with all your crew that is in your midst, sink into the heart of the seas on the day of your fall. At the sound of the cry of your pilots, the countryside shakes, and down from their ships come all who handle the oar. The mariners and all the pilots of the sea stand on the land. And shout aloud over you, and cry out bitterly. They cast dust on their heads, and wallow in ashes. They make themselves bald for you, and put sackcloth on their waist. And they weep over you in bitterness of soul, with bitter mourning. In their wailing they raise a lamentation for you, and lament over you. Who is like Tyre, like one destroyed in the midst of the sea? When your wares came from the seas, you satisfied many peoples. With your abundant wealth and merchandise, you enriched the kings of the earth. Now you are wrecked by the seas and the depths of the waters. Your merchandise and all your crew in your midst have sunk with you. All the inhabitants of the coastlands are appalled at you. And the hair of their kings bristles with horror. Their faces are convulsed. The merchants among the peoples hiss at you. You have come to a dreadful end and shall be no more forever. That's the end of the chapter right there. I don't know if I mentioned it. This was verses 26 through 36 of chapter 27. That covers the whole chapter. The mighty ship that thought itself unsinkable, it had sunk. It might remind you of a similar story that we have here in the modern, well, kind of modern times, but this, the story of the Titanic. You know, that was a ship. It proudly boasted that it was indestructible. And yet, on its very first voyage, the ship struck an iceberg and it sank. And since they thought it was indestructible, they had not brought along enough Light bulb, uh, light bulb. See why I'm tired? I said I'm tired, guys. Okay, I'm tired. My back's killing me. I'm trying, I'm trying to get this out. <laughs> light bulbs. Okay, they thought that they were indestructible. So they were totally, totally unprepared 
for the occurrence of crashing into an iceberg, they didn't have enough lifeboats. And so because of that, 1,500 of the 3,000 passengers died in the sinking of this ship. That right there, that is what pride does to you. It makes you unprepared for reality. I've heard it said before, um, reality is what you bump into when you're wrong about something. (laughs) Reality is what you bump into when you're wrong. And I I love that saying, you know, when you have a a faulty um, perception of yourself, a a wrong self-perception, when you lack self-awareness, you bump into reality. And that's what that's what they did. So uh, and that's what happened with Titanic, you know, and think of all the wailing and the lament that went on when it came to the sinking of the Titanic, not just of the people on the ship. But I mean, people who look at this today, this is a that's a sad story right there. Uh, what happened to Titanic? And this this is a chapter, Ezekiel 27. It's a lament for the fallen city. You know, think of all the people who've expressed heartbreak and sadness over that story of the Titanic. If you've ever read the history or seen the movie, I guess, you know, it is a heartbreaking tragedy when you see the people plunging to their doom, no hope of escape, not to mention that old lady who threw the necklace into the ocean, wasted all that money. And and speaking of money, a good cross-reference for this chapter is the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3. There's just a lot of similarities there to Tyre. You know, as I said in the last episode, Tyre's problem, it's not one of these backwater, barbaric, cruel countries who just, you know, tortures its neighbors and stuff like that. This was a civilized country. Okay, this was this was a banking center. This made everybody richer. And yet, it still ended up on God's hit list because they had prideful hearts. And despite all of their material riches, they were spiritually poor. In Revelation 3.15, Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, I need nothing. Not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen, and salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. You know, it's a very similar... Um, admonition that could have been given to Tyre that Jesus was giving to the church at Laodicea. It was an extremely secular environment. They were so focused on the material that they had forgotten about spiritual reality. And and that's the lesson we take from the church at Laodicea. And I, I think it's a lesson we can take here from Ezekiel 27. And so this ends one of the most secular chapters of the Bible. And I call it that because this chapter has no references to God. It has no references to spiritual things. This chapter was all about the physical world. And so that's why I focused so much in this lesson on the physical realm of the Middle East, why it is such a valuable territory on this planet, just from a purely materialistic perspective. Okay, that is what Tyre had put all of its hope into. But you can't trust in physical things to take care of you. Money, possessions, material goods, that is idolatry. Look to God to sustain you anything else will leave you with a sinking feeling. All right, guys, next time on this podcast, I have a recap and review of 2023. I just want to talk about what's happened this year, kind of in the realm of biblical prophecy 
what do Christians need to be ready for next year? And make sure that you are subscribed so you can get that episode. So I've already recorded it. And I'll just say right now, what I think I say in there is that the podcast is going to take a break for a few weeks. That is true. And I say in there that I'm going to be back on January 8th. Looking at my schedule now, I think there's a kind of a short episode I'd like to do on January 1st to kind of just get us, we're just kick off the year. Uh, I know a lot of people don't always want to listen to a podcast uh, on a on a holiday, on a day off. And so that is a holiday. But I'm just going to go ahead and put out, I think, a short one, jumping into the first few verses of Ezekiel 28, because I think I'm going to spend several episodes breaking down that chapter. Ezekiel 28, a lot of it is actually about the devil. It's actually about Satan. And so it's a very descriptive chapter about our our arch nemesis, all right? And so I think it's really important to kind of slow down in that chapter. The past three chapters, I've covered them bam, 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 all in one episode. The last like three episodes have been three chapters of Ezekiel. That's a pretty fast pace for this study. And so we're going to slow it back down as we get into chapter 28, coming right at the start of January of 2024. So make sure you're subscribed so you can be here for all that. It's going to get it's going to get weird. All right. Speaking of weird stuff, go subscribe to my other podcast, Weird Stuff in the Bible. I'm going to be discussing the sons of Anak. They were the descendants of the Nephilim. If you don't know about the Nephilim, maybe you do know about the Nephilim, but I'm going to be talking about the Nephilim after the flood of Noah. Okay. If you're confused about that, if you're curious about that, go listen to that upcoming episode for Weird Stuff in the Bible. If you, if you, um, if you don't know about Nephilim at all, if you don't know about Nephilim before the flood, go subscribe to it today. Listen to my previous episode. Um, and uh, so I hope you'll do that. It's been doing very well on the downloads, so it's a popular one. So that means it, it might be one of the better ones. If you're like, I don't care about Tyre and you don't want to, don't want to hear about why land in the Middle East is so important. Well, then I don't know why you've been listening to this episode for half an hour. But if that's not an interesting subject for you, uh, I think the last one was the, the the I think the weird stuff in the Bible episode there that seems to have gotten a lot of people's interest. So go check that out. And uh, I think you'll think you'll be blessed by what you learn about from the Bible. The Bible is a little bit weird. And so that's why I, I do that second podcast now about that. My email, if you want to get in touch with me, it's crossreferencespodcast at gmail.com. One of the recent uh, mailbags that I got, I want to keep this one anonymous, but it says, thank you. God convicted me in my heart and sent me a deep warning to change my ways, especially because I know he is real and I must do better and stop this cussing and smoking and falling away. And so um, I, I, I appreciate that message. Guys, I said on back on the first episode of this podcast, I'm not just always going to force an application when I'm studying the Bible, but I often do try to include one if I can. And, and this is why, because Bible study is not just supposed to be for information. It's supposed to be for transformation. And so, you know, some, some chapters as we study the Bible, they're going to be more applicable than others. And it might be hard to dig into something like Ezekiel 27 and find some kind of application from it. Okay. You don't have to have an application every time you study a Bible. Uh, but I think it's it's good to try. It's good to try to include one because when you uh, messages like that that I just got there from that anonymous listener, um, they show that the Holy Spirit can do work in people when you bring the word alive to someone. And so that's what I'm trying to do. And that and so our application for today, I really did that in the first part of the lesson as I talked about why land in the Middle East is so important. But just to even kind of bring that idea out a little bit further. 
just helping you. I think it just helps as you understand today's news headlines. Okay, I went to foxnews.com a few days ago, just looked at what are the headlines today. Here's what I see. Israel releases photo of smiling senior Hamas leaders killed in terror tunnel. Another one, Jewish groups lost 10-7 project to set the record straight on Israel-Hamas war. Another one, women's groups face outrage for silence on Hamas crimes. Another one, school district teachers plan pro-Palestinian teach-in. Okay, now guys, on those headlines, I'm not just cherry-picking. These are all right there on the homepage. I go to CNN.com. IDF, that's the Israeli Defense Force, should retain control for disarmament of Gaza after war, Netanyahu says. Steven Spielberg comments on unspeakable barbarity against Jews after October 7th. Biden decries reported sexual assaults by Hamas and says acts must be forcefully condemned. The crisis of aid to Gaza. Again, these are all headlines right on those homepages. That was CNN right there. I just checked it a few days ago. This was December 5th, okay? December 5th, 2023. This is what they are talking about on Fox News, on CNN. There were no headlines about Ecuador. There were no headlines about South Korea. There were no headlines about Denmark. There were no headlines about Utah. There were no headlines about Nicaragua. It doesn't mean that those are all unimportant countries. Okay, no offense to any of those places, except Utah. A little bit of offense to them, but no offense to anyone else. All right, every country is important to God. Every territory is important to God. Every person is important to God. But what I'm saying is that this land of the Middle East this is a hot spot. This is a hot spot of controversy. That is why it matters. God used this territory as the vehicle through which he visited and revealed himself to humanity. He didn't touch down in Ecuador when he came to this earth. I'm not trying to be offensive to Ecuador. I'm just saying he didn't, okay? He didn't go to Ecuador. He went to the Middle East. The book Windows into the Bible by Mark Turnage says this, the land of Israel stood at the crossroads of the ancient world. Its geographic location served as the arena where God put on display the children of Israel to teach the world about him. The land became the platform and the classroom through which his redemptive message spread to the ends of the earth. The land became the stage where God's message of redemption unfolded. And from this land, his message would travel from the crossroads to the four corners of the earth. So some closing thoughts today. When God came to Moses in the familiar passage of the burning bush, going to have him go get the Israelites out of Egypt. He says in Exodus 3, 8, I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. That is what he called that land that he wanted to bring them to, a land of milk and honey. That means a land of plenty, a fruitful land. The milk re referred to goat milk. It meant that this was land that was good for the herds. Honey was referring to date honey. It was, it was a land that was good for the farmer. And it was Israel's as a gift, as long as they obeyed the Lord their God. At this time in Israel's history, talking about the book of Ezekiel, they had not obeyed God. They had blew it. They'd get a second chance, but they had blown the first one. And Tyre did as well. So as I said at the beginning, don't look down on Israel God had more for them, and God has more for you. There's no need to live in the wilderness anymore, all right? Walk in your promised land. If you feel like you've blown it, God can give you a second chance too. 
Guys, thanks for listening to the Cross References podcast. I hope the Bible makes more sense to you after this episode. This has been Luke Taylor, reminding you that when you read the Bible, you become a world traveler and a time traveler, and you don't even have to go to Utah to do it. Thank you.